Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, on this episode, I have with me Sean Rowan. Sean is a OBGYN with a specialty in infertility. He has three kids ages from six to 16 with one girl sandwiched in the middle of two boys. And he's been married for nine years. Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, Sean. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you bringing me on here today. Yeah, so we actually, um, uh, well, it's my pleasure, first of all. I asked you about this a while back. Um, And uh, I I don't think you were quite ready, but you reached out and I know you are ready now. And for those of you who have not done so yet, before you listen to this episode, you got to stop. Just like put this whole thing on pause. I, I've never told anybody this again. I'll ne- probably never say it again. You got to stop and you got to go back to December 2nd episode with um, Jeff Josie. And um, that is an incredibly impact ep- episode, impactful episode. Um, listened to it a few times and uh, had, uh, had interviewed Jeff on a, another podcast I did and was just blown away by the man. I got to know Jeff through another business. Um, Jeff, uh, Sean, our guest today is brother-in-law with, um, Jeff Giosi and Jeff passed away just recently. So we're going to kind of dive into that. Super excited to have you, Sean. Yeah, I, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, never a topic I thought I'd <laughs> be a, be a uh, expert on, but here I find myself, you know, just you and I talked back and forth a few times just about vulnerability and, and weakness and, and how that looks as a man and things in our lives that shape us. And I tell you, the last eight weeks from just passing to now, I, I've had that whole gamut of emotions and man, did I feel vulnerable. And I, I just hope that my experience can help some of the other men out there when they go through through similar losses. Uh, just like I said, not something you'd ever think you'd go through. And then literally in a heartbeat, life yeah, I- changed. And, it's it's really crazy to say this, and I, I've had to kind of explain it multiple times if I've, as I've talked to people about Jeff, as I've talked to people about his wife, Sarah, and how they how she's handled his sudden passing. Uh, he, when you explain Jeff, he, he literally, literally was one of those guys. He was literally one of those guys that left a massive impact on people. I know mm-hmm. we say that about a lot of people, but at his age, the impact he left is probably bigger than most leave in a lead in a lifetime of 70, 80, 90 years. And I, I mean that from the like a year and a half or two years that I knew him. Um, it was absolutely overwhelmingly uh, obvious. In fact, I remember the first conversation I had with him um, online. We were, we were chatting. I talked with him in the sales call, but I was ch- chatting and I said, dude, like uh, uh, you... Uh, you need to be in my brotherhood group. <laughs> I said, you just, there's something about you. And I said, are you father? He's like, yeah. And from that moment on, the depth was like there. And the, mm-hmm. it, it was just, it exudes outside of him. I don't even know how quite to, under, how to explain it. But when, when I interacted with Jeff and his wife, Sarah, it, they just exude excellence. They exude building uh, or, or lifting others up and um, mm-hmm. breathing life into other other people. So um, it's a real honor to be able to talk with you and learn the lessons learned that Jeff has taught you through his life and passing. Yeah, I, I think a great example of the type of person Jeff was was how he worked out. So Jeff was uh, almost undoubtedly going to the CrossFit Games this year. I mean, he was just an amazing athlete. He was 40 years old. He was training uh, in a very unusual situation for him. He was actually training in the gym with people. So Jeff almost always trained alone or with me or one or two other people. He really kept it to a very small group. And part of that was his passion for other people. He wanted to celebrate the the 300 pound person who for the first time in 10 years was able to jump rope or was able to make that, that box jump. To him, that's what fitness was about. That's what life was about celebrating those people and that he he was kind of you know he was proud of his achievements but he didn't want that to be what he was known for and um, you know when you talk about how he just uplifted other people that's really how he lived his life 
And uh, January 23rd, you know, it's a day that I'll never forget. He was uh, at the gym training for CrossFit Games, you know, with the CrossFit Open currently going on right now. And was doing Dirty Diane, lifted a deadlift, and, uh, and he fell over. And I, I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things you'll just never forget. And so many things just happened beautifully that day. Not that death is ever beautiful, but given the circumstances, I was at home working out myself. And for whatever reason, my six-year-old was hanging out with me downstairs while I was working out, playing on my phone. And he's like, oh, daddy, somebody's calling you. And I was like, oh, just let it go. I'll answer when I'm done in the middle of a workout. And he answered it by accident. And I could just hear my sister's voice going, and my sister doesn't panic, but it was a little bit of a panic in there. And she's like, Nikki, where's your dad? I need him now. I don't know, what's going on? And she was like, Jeff passed out of the gym and they're doing chest compressions. And here I am, you know, I have a medical background. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. One of the fittest men in the world doesn't get chest compressions. You know, what, what is going on here? So I just, I was like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So I, I, I ran upstairs and left the house. My wife saw me running. She said I was just pale as a ghost and I just like ran out the door. She's like, where are you going? I was like, they're doing chest compressions on Jeff. I don't know. I got to the gym as fast as I could. You know, it was just one of those times that I just couldn't find peace. You know, I prayed. I, was, I started to pray, but then I, I even stopped because I later on, just to, to jump forward a little bit, my brother called me after I'd left the gym. And he was like, what can we do? And I said, well, I, I would tell you to pray, but God knows our heart now, you know? And, and I think what's, what's going to happen is in God's hands and something beautiful will come of this. And I think a lot of beautiful things are going to already start to come of this. And um, you just always left with that question of why. And I can come up with a hundred reasons why. None of, them, none, of them, <laughs> none of them are good enough for me, but I can think of lots of reasons. And I think part of it is exactly what you said. He, he accomplished more in 40 years than most people do in 80. And I got to thinking, you know, if Jeff died when he was 80, how many lives would not have been touched? Because like you said, you know, Jeff's death touched you. And I've had people reach out to me and say, you know what? I've never met him, but just reading about him and seeing about him, my life is changing in this moment. And now we're just seeing this legacy and this, you know, I, I kind of, one illustration I used was Jeff had built this fire and, and it was burning and, and we all loved this beautiful fire. And, but we all kind of carried our own logs around because we, we didn't need to put our logs down. Jeff had this fire, right? And, and if our logs got too heavy, we knew Jeff was there to help us carry them. But now we all have to start our own fires. And, and I'm seeing that. I'm seeing so many people like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and, and they're reaching out and they're making impacts. So I think his legacy is just beginning really you know after 40 years of of starting those fires now now we all get the chance to spread them and um yeah so so just back to that day you know i i got to the gym it usually takes me about 15 to 17 minutes i think i looked back at the time later i got there in about seven or eight which probably was not <laughs> not an ideal uh, way to drive but i got there and you know all the way there i kept thinking man i'm gonna have to go convince this idiot to get in the ambulance you know, he vasovagled and I can't believe this. He's going to be stubborn and I just can't wait to, you know, I'm going to have to convince him. But, and I got there and, and it just wasn't that situation, you know. And, uh, it, uh, I think one of the things that got me most was one of the gym members. So there was a class going on, which, like I said, was unusual that Jeff was working out at that time. Later on, one of the gym members told me, he said, I lost it when you walked in. Because you just had this look on your face like, you were going to fight the gods to bring him back, you know, nothing was going to stop you from saving him. Uh, but that, that wasn't the plan, you know, and, and that, and literally in that heartbeat. So for people that don't know, Jeff had an undiagnosed thoracic aortic aneurysm, which is unusual at his age. Um, and it just, and it just let go. And, and that was, that was it. There was no saving him. Uh, and that's where we are, you know, and then going from there to, to coming home and just completely losing it and my wife trying to be supportive she's like you don't know yet you don't know he might still be okay and just getting to the hospital and just seeing the seeing the doctor just shake her head and and, and knowing that it, that it was done and it just started me down this journey you know of uh just feeling so vulnerable immediately you know a vulnerable and a weakness that i had never felt in my life like literally 
I can think of three times that day from the first time I came home to pick up my wife and just collapsing on the floor, you know, and three times. I, I can remember later that evening, just, just twice, just, just collapse and just feeling that weakness, you know, and, and you and I've talked a few times about that vulnerability and what that means and that, especially as a man, how it feels to, to feel that way. But I think I, I learned so much through it. And I, and I hope that sharing my experience, I can help some others who will go through something or are going through something like this. Yeah, we, we've had several guests, multiple guests on the, on the show, um, including Jeff, who talked about uh, death. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I think it's something men think about a lot. And I know you're going to talk about this, but, you know, I think so often we prepare, um, we prepare to, our preparation is in our own passing. And here you are with someone that you were very close to, you know, it's your sister's husband and uh, an amazing person and just, you know, stripped from your life in an instant, stripped from your sister's life in an instant. Um, and then the, the conversation that came up that between you and me was the vulnerability and just being open to the fact that there, as men, we have pain and we can't do this alone. Yeah. So what, what, how long did it really take for you to kind of <clears throat> settle into that? I know that, you know, a lot of it's probably a blur. It's just eight weeks, but. Yeah. You know, it, at times it's a blur. At times it seems like yesterday. Sometimes it seems like forever. Sometimes even just uh, this morning at the gym, talking to my sister and her talking about some things that were going on and just sitting there going, wow, wait a minute. He really is gone, you know? And Jeff and I had a unique relationship. Jeff, Jeff had lots of friends. He had lots of people in his life. And, you know, being a brother-in-law, we, we had a different bond, but we also were really close friends. And, and we, me, him, uh, my wife and my sister had a, a group on the on WhatsApp and we messaged all day, every day about silly stuff. You know, we just, the four of us were, were really close and, yeah, and it really hurt, hurt, hurt bad. You know, we, we lost a brother and a friend, you know, and that's, that was a really tough thing to do. Um, at least I would say at the time of his death, outside of my wife, he was, he was probably my best friend. Now, I do want to say too, you know, a little off topic, but my wife is my best friend and Sarah, my sister was just best friend and, and just 100% sold out for each other. You know, just we're soulmates. And I truly believe that if your wife isn't your best friend, that's the first step you need to make in life. You need to figure out how to make that happen. Everything else falls in line. You know, when it comes to struggles, when it comes to money, when it comes to even, even you know, if, if your wife is truly your best friend, things like infidelity would never even cross your mind, right? So friends are forever. And we often in our society don't look at spouses as forever. But once you make your spouse your best friend, it's forever. And, and you know that. And I think that to me was the most important thing to have my wife there for me. Um, but it also was one of the hardest things because I know that Sarah and Jeff's bond was beyond that of a normal couple too. I mean, they truly had that, that soulmate mentality. Sometimes I think that um, I, I forget that that's not the case with everybody. You know, my wife and I have been be best friends since the day we met, literally. Um, and, and it just grows, you know, 25 years of marriage, it just continues to grow. And I, I wish that so much for every man. And, the, and then I realized that it, it takes work and it, it can't be a wish. It's gotta be work. And mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up because I think it's imperative for marriage, for kids, for, for raising kids to adults, to, to show that, to, to model that and to live that. And, um, I could tell that with, with, um, with Jeff and Sarah, I, I could, I could absolutely tell that. And I, you know, I'm not a big Facebook poster, but I, I posted a few things after Jeff passed. And it's one of the things I put on there. It was kind of a, almost a note to him and said, you know, Jeff, I'll, I'll, I'll teach your kids how to play baseball. But one thing I really need to do, you know, is, is teach your kids how to love a woman the way you love my sister. And then, so now that, you know, that's on me because we spend a lot of time together. Now we spend even more. My sister comes over two or three times a week and we go over there. So now we have a one and three-year-old nephew who, you know, I, 
I'm kind of the man in their life now. And how I treat my wife is going to be an example to them. And I, I, I got to keep that in mind and, and how I keep, treat my kids, you know, and, and how I treat them. So I got to kind of be a little harder on them. That was one thing my sister got on me for. She's like, Sean, you got to quit being so kind to them. Like you got to yell at them. Because one day Arlen had grabbed a marker and wrote on the floor at our house. And I was like, it's okay. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't be like that. You got to be hard on them. So it's, I, I have a lot of lessons left to learn. But I think you asked how, how long did it take me to kind of start to, to lose that haze a little, I think. I think after 33 days, I realized that I went a day without crying. So on day 34, and then I wanted to cry because I didn't cry. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm not a crier. I'm not a real emotional person. Well, I wasn't, uh, you know, I've kind of shifted a little. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was about 33 days that I, I didn't cry. And, I, and I've cried many days since then. And like I said, I think we mentioned it's been eight weeks. Um, but every day got a little bit less and the tears changed. Uh, in the first day after, I remember the sun coming through the window, just thinking, what in the world? Like, how in the world is the sun up? Doesn't it know Jeff Josie died yesterday? Like, what is going on? Why is the world still moving? But it does. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that life isn't going to stop. So you've got to, you, you've, you've got to feel the pain, but, but you also got to know that life isn't going to stop. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned from this too was the first time my daughter saw me cry. Um, I think the, and I'm trying to think back if she'd ever in my life seen me cry. I think the first time she saw me cry was when we sat him down on the couch when I got home after it was confirmed that Jeff had passed and we had to sit down and tell him. And it was really hard for my six-year-old, um, harder than I anticipated because he, he's kind of just a fun, loving, kind of goofy, you know, just has fun kid. And he just stared at me like, like you're lying. He didn't say it, but you could just see in his face, like you're lying. And I'm like, and then finally he just started crying. And later on, I found out why is because when we had left to go back to the hospital, my wife's sister had come over to watch them and, and he had prayed and he wasn't sure how to pray. So he drew a picture. He drew a picture of what he, of his interpretation of uncle Jeff, and then just put little hearts and crosses around it. And when he found out that Jeff had died, he just didn't understand. He's like, I don't wait. There's, it's not possible that he's dead because I prayed that he wouldn't be. And, you know, in the faith of a child and, and how do we then restructure that, but make sure that he doesn't lose that faith. And that was a, that was a tough thing. And I would say it was a good week, week and a half that he didn't say nighttime prayers. Because usually we would say prayer, and he said the most beautiful prayers. And for a six-year-old, it was amazing, you know? It wasn't a scripted prayer. He would actually pray what was on his heart. But for a week or so, he's like, I'm just not comfortable praying for a while. And, and that, was, that was tough. And it just took some time to, to say, you know, that by the time he prayed, it was, it was already done, got it, and God has a reason. And, and that was one of the hardest initial things, was to get the kids to believe that God had a plan. I think one of the other hardest things is I'm a, I like to read my Bible twice a day. So when I first, before I even get out of bed, I open up an app on my phone. It's nice to have these apps on our phones now, you know, know. And, and then I read a chapter and then at night, right before I go to bed, I read a chapter and I was in the book of Job of all books, you know, to, to be in when something like this happens. And I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for a week or so. I wasn't mad at God, but I also just wasn't ready to, to read that book either. And that was a, that was a tough one. Um, now, one thing I like to do, again, kind of going off topic here, is that I like to read the book of Proverbs a lot of times in the morning. It just kind of gives you that nice w wisdom for the day. Yeah. I sometimes, I sometimes think, so let me ask you, Scott, if, if God had told you, you know, so I think most people are probably familiar with the, with the story of Solomon, but if not, God asked, he said he could have whatever he wanted. And he chose wisdom. And then with that, God gave him riches. And what would, what would you, what would you have chosen if God said you could have anything you wanted? It's, it's such a interesting question you ask <laughs> because, um, I do, I do the same thing. I read the Bible first thing in the morning. Well, I, I have a routine. It's almost first, but, um, honestly for the last three weeks straight, um, 
my prayer has been for wisdom. That's it. That's, that's the request I have for me. And, and literally based on Solomon and because yeah. I, I read through it and I'm, and I was thinking, you know, we have all of these desires, all of these worldly desires, all of these things we want to achieve with our family, with our wives, uh, travels and ex experiences we want to have all those things. Well, what's the one thing that can get you there? It's, it's following God and having wisdom. So yeah. that is, I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that is no, it does. the yeah. prayer of my heart. And it's, yeah. it's so crazy that you bring that up because I just recently read Job as well. And um, I just, I even chatted with my wife about it the other day because I do, a, I do a, a thankful walk. I, I do 10 minutes of walking with gratitude and, and just basically thank God out loud for the things that mm -hmm. I have. It's how I start after I read the Bible. That's how I start then, because then when I'm going into my prayer time while I'm walking, it's really hard to ask for a bunch of things after you've just given thanks for all these things. And it's really refocused me into, um, all I want is wisdom. I just yeah. want to, you know, so I don't know if that answers that's, your question, but that's my focus. No, it answers it perfectly. And that, Cause it's something I, I kind of think about a lot is what, you know, what would I have asked for? And, uh, I think wisdom was obviously <laughs> the, probably the right answer that's why it's in the bible but i, I sometimes think i would have just asked for peace too you know peace no matter what the situation because if you if you can find peace in anything then you know money doesn't matter and i think with with peace comes wisdom because you have to be wise enough to understand how you have that peace but i think definitely when you look at like the loss of a of a brother or a friend or even a parent you know how do you find that peace in that moment I think for us, it was a little bit easier than other people. So about a year before Jeff died, almost to the day, I think it was like three weeks after that was a year anniversary of one of our gym members was riding a bike and was hit by a car and, and killed. And actually Jeff did an amazing podcast on that. He and Sarah had their own um, podcast, potential podcast. And he, and he did a, what's called a mindset minute, just talking about, about death and I think in those situations, there's a, the whole anger emotion, which thankfully we didn't have to experience because we, we, were, we were given the peace that this happened. There was nothing we could do. So um, I know it's kind of off topic. I just thought I'd get your opinion on what you would ask for. Because I think wisdom, and it, it's, it's a great thing to, to seek, uh, and especially in these situations. And a lot of people don't have peace. And mm -hmm. this was, this is not on topic. I mean, not on script. If there was a script, there isn't, but it, um, it didn't come to my mind till now when you lose somebody so close, uh, a lot of people will say, how can you believe, you know, we're sitting here talking about faith and the Bible and, and, um, things that we believe, how can somebody believe in a God when something so horrible happens? Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, that's something that, you know, when you're talking about your son with prayers and if I ask God, he's going to, he's going to make it happen. It's just not the way it works. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that unanswered prayer thing that sometimes we don't understand um, or hardly ever understand until it's eventually shown to us and it could take years or maybe we never know. Yeah. Sometimes we just, we just never know. Yeah. Are you finding but peace? I am. Yeah, I am. And, and and a lot of things, really. Um, you know, just a, a, another point I would want to make is something I call marking off my tomorrows. You know how we, there's that old adage, uh, what's always coming but never gets here, and it's tomorrow. And I feel like so often we, there are things we want to do, but oh, we'll do it tomorrow. And just like tomorrow, it never gets here. You just never do it, you know. And, and then just kind of looking at those things that I've always said, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And one thing that you and I were just talking about before we started recording was I just got back from the gym coaching some classes this morning. So several years ago, I was at the Granite Games in Minnesota with Jeff. He was there competing and somebody walked by with a CrossFit Health t-shirt on. And he's like, oh, that guy must be a doctor. I was like, how do you know? He's like, because it's a, he has an MDL1 shirt on. I'm like, what in the world's that? Well, that's an L1 they did just for doctors. So I looked into it and so I went and did it and I, I got my level one of CrossFit and I told you, okay, now I got this. I, I can, now you can teach me to coach and I'm going to coach some classes. And that's been two and a half, three years ago. I never coached a class. Well, after Jeff passed, I was like, you know what? It's time. 
And so now I, I coach three classes a week. It's the highlight of my day, except for on Wednesdays, it's not quite the highlight because I do the 5.30 and I don't like to get up that early. <laughs> I don't know how you work out at 5.30 in the morning, but no, I do. I love it. I don't like getting up at 4.45, or, but uh, you know, I think that was one of my tomorrows was I was, I was going to start coaching classes and, and, and you know, I just love it now. Um, a lot of people do live in, in their tomorrows. I, I like your, I like your wording better than anything I've ever heard is marking off your marking off my tomorrows. A lot of people live their life in when this happens or when I get to X or when I make mm -hmm. so amount of money and that's a tomorrow. And yeah. um, you know, honestly, you're never going to get there if that's the way <laughs> right. you live. Yeah. Yeah. And if one of the truly fittest, documented fittest men in the world can die in a heartbeat we can too you know we never know when that tomorrow is going to come especially if those tomorrows involve other people you know make sure that you're not forgetting that that oh you know tomorrow I'll, I'll do this for my kids no do it today you know get out and do it or or at least make a plan and that's one thing i would encourage every man listen to this right now think about that thing that is your tomorrow and schedule it you know if it's if it's oh there's a certain restaurant i'd love to take my wife to call right now and make a reservation you know oh, i want to take my kid to some jump house or something you know call make it make a point of it right now put it on your schedule and then it'll happen once you have it scheduled it's no longer tomorrow as long as you don't back out of it. yeah yeah honestly um jeff's passing in in there was this little there was there was this series of events. Jeff got on the podcast and talked about if I die and, and I like the way he was leaving a legacy, the things he was doing actively, um, which is incredible that he was doing those things. I also had a few other guests that were, you know, I can't live like um, I'm never going to die. I have to live like I'm dying tomorrow is the title of another mm -hmm. podcast right after that. And I started, and then there was the, the tomorrow thing, like, will you ever reach those things? And I, you know, we, we were talking before this also about me leaving my profession. And one of the reasons my, my full-time job, one of the reasons I did that is because I was in a tomorrow mindset. I was always like, I'll get more time once I get this next thing stepped in place. And I was carrying all these torches and working super duper hard mm -hmm. and all my hours and doing these podcasts. And then honestly, the catalyst was Jeff's passing was no, no. I can't live like this. I, my boys have been asking me to go snowboarding. They haven't mm -hmm. had, we haven't done a family trip in over two years. Like I haven't taken yeah. a vacation at all. And, um, you know, we just spent the last week, we traveled to Idaho. We, we went snow. I personally taught them to snowboard. They both crushed it. Uh, I had the best time with them that I've had in years because I stopped, I stopped and it's like, it's not, it can't be tomorrow. It has to be now. So yeah. there, there's your legacy right there. I mean, it's already in, it's already caused action. It was a part of something that caused action, which was a life change for me. So now, you know, I'm speaking this, what I'm going through. So other men can actually hopefully take a hold and, and carry in this path because it's been so incredibly awesome for me is once I realized that um, the moments are fleeting and we can't wait on things, we should not wait on things. I took the steps necessary to buy myself some time. I took the ne steps necessary to make a way for it to financially work, which was a struggle. And then I stepped out in faith and did it. And now my mind is completely full of how am I going to get them snowboarding? How am I going to get them to the beaches in Florida? How am I going to get, yeah. how are we going to do these things that everybody wants to do? And there's no more excuses. And all that will do will propel your success. It will propel everything you do because the focus is so much bigger than you. Now yeah. my, you know, my passion and my, my goal, um, my purpose, not my, but my immediate purpose is developing opportunities and ex experiences that I can have with my family. And that's a huge drive. It's yeah. a tremendous <laughs> drive. And what better way to shape your children to be the best that they can be, you know, other than to show them that too. You know, we're often so defined by our profession and the best compliment anybody ever gives me is when we're doing something, they look at me like, you know what? I forgot you're a doctor. I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want. I, I don't want to be defined by that. Yet we all, we're all defined by our jobs. And 
some people, especially in the medical field, and it sounds like in, in, in your career path too, is this like hours and hours and hours. And sometimes to the point that other people are like, oh, I worked, I worked 48 hours straight. What did you do? And it, it's like, you almost feel guilty for a minute. But my answer now is I spent time with my kids. <laughs> I, I went home and had dinner with my wife. Like that's what's important because we all have this idea and we want to be irreplaceable, but the second we're not in our job, we're replaced and the job doesn't stop. Right. I mean, even think back, you know, think about even last names, you know, a lot of people's last names were their occupation, you know, and people for many, many years have been defined by their profession. And I loved seeing, I saw some of your pictures online uh, of you snowboarding with your kids. And um, I had actually just started skiing this year. I only got to go twice, but loved it. And my son who's 16, he had never got to go. So we got to go a few times. And after Jeff, I went the Saturday after Jeff passed and that, I know it was the Sunday after Jeff passed. And just being on the ski slope all by myself and just in nature. I mean, that was just, to me, one of the most cathartic things I had done and having the, those sort of moments. Yeah, I had this conversation with my wife because um, I'm like, this is where my soul thrives is when I have time to get out in nature and be face-to-face -face with it doing something hard, whether it's mountain yeah. biking, hiking, skiing. I know I learned to ski too, um, snowboarding. Uh, in the elements, I don't know that all men get to experience it, but um, it's an absolute must. It is, I think mm -hmm. it's just a part of our inner nature, our our masculinity to like have that, it is cathartic to have that time where you are surrounded by nothing but um, the the nature. I mean, and, and yeah. you, you're, there's no quiet, there's no interruptions, there's no technology and it's just you. I call it my flow state when I'm doing something like mountain biking or snowboarding, I'm in mm -hmm. a flow state. My brain is completely clear. And when I stop for a moment, every amazing thoughts come to mind. My creativity is opened up. My productivity is opened up. Um, man, I got to get there like every week. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to figure yeah. it out. For me, that space is the gym, you know, just, just working out or going for a run. I'm not a big runner, but even, even something like that was the first thing I did. We got home from the hospital. I told my wife, I, I got to go for a run. I didn't make it very far. It was kind of cold, <laughs> but it, you know, I just had to, had to get out for a minute, get some of that energy out. And, and it's different for different people. I, I know my brother, his may be more woodworking or hunting. You know, we all have our different, different avenues of getting out in nature or doing something with our hands. And it's just so important to have some sort of hobby that the only thing in your hand isn't a remote, you know, and I think a lot of people resort to that or alcohol. So that, that brings me to another point um, about something I had learned in this journey was to find that one or two people that are your support, that is, that is just the person that you can reach out to and they can reach out to you. And that happened for me uh, four weeks after Jeff passed <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me. So like I was saying, Jeff didn't have a lot of people that saw him in the gym, but he had me and one other guy at this time, Kurt, um, in the last couple of months that were kind of his, his support team through his CrossFit journey. And he would share videos with us almost every day of his workouts, what he was doing. So after, he passed. Uh, Kurt and I kind of kept that up. And then um, Jeff's lifelong best friend, Kent, you know, the three of us really formed a bond and, and kind of got together. But about the Sunday, so four weeks after Jeff passed, that next Sunday, um, they had been over my house and we drank <laughs> a good bit. We killed a couple bottles of whiskey. And, and I had texted Kurt and I was like, you know, I think what, me and you, we're Jeff's support. Let's continue that. Let's, let's still be that for each other. And he said, absolutely. And I said, you know, one thing I'm going to need some support on is I don't have a problem, but I've drank 26 out of the 28 days since Jeff passed. And I don't want to go in that place. And he goes, all right, 
we're not drinking for 14 days. I was like, cool, starting tomorrow. And he's like, nope, we're starting right now. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was like, listen, I got, uh, I think there's like three or four beers off my fridge. It'd be best if I just clear those out so I don't have to look at them. He's like, no, because here's what just happened. He's like, I just was getting ready to throw some burgers on the grill, literally just cut up a lime and had a beer sitting beside my hand, getting ready to open it when you sent that. And I just put it back in the fridge. So you're leaving those. That's part of the mental battle we're going to go through. 14 days, we're not touching alcohol. And that, Scott, was the most amazing 14 days. And when the 14 days was up, I was like, I don't even know if I want one now. You know, it just wasn't, it, it was, and it wasn't even about the alcohol, I don't think, as much as just having a purpose, having a goal, having a person that I was going through those 14 days with, checking in on each other, you know, and uh, to me, that, that, was, that was the most important part of my journey so far. And that is when I think I really found my clarity. But it's not always even alcohol. You know, you can find other addictions through this, whether it's whether it's gambling or for some people, maybe pornography. You know, there's always there's an outlet that people find that, um, you know, you just need to find not let yourself go down that road and to find that person that you can confide in that kind of keeps you there as your support. Yeah, the um, the third value in our yeah, one of the core values of the brotherhood is tribe. And, you know, that that word is can be a little overused, but the importance of having a, at least a person who is going mm -hmm. to call you out, or set a set a set a line in the sand, and just like, no, we're not doing that, or be honest with you. Um, someone you can be fully vulnerable with, I mean, getting back to the vulnerability. Exactly. Yes, it's, it's so incredibly important. I think men have a really really do struggle with that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they might have their college bros or they might have their high school buddies, but, but a lot of times it get we get wrapped up in career and that's the only people we know. And that's the last place you really want to be vulnerable. And so right. I really encourage men, you know, I, I, Josh and I created the brotherhood out of a very long reaching, um, desire of mine to have a tribe. Uh, and, and really it's like, if I can't find one, I want to be a part of, I'll create one. <laughs> yeah. No, and you're I've right. Been very happy about that. But what was, what were you like with vulnerability and speaking of vulnerability prior to Jeff's passing, were you, were you guarded, you know, what's the growth been like? Yeah, I think I was, I was a pretty guarded person in general. Um, I really kind of held my emotions to myself. I think my wife and you know a few other people were the only ones that ever kind of saw those emotions. I didn't let myself be vulnerable. Um, like I said, I think that was the first time my my daughter had probably seen me cry. And I remember, you know, just kind of thinking back now that my uncle passed away suddenly about three years ago. And I remember looking at my mom at one point in there and I said, you know what? I haven't seen Pap cry. And she goes, you won't. He'll cry in private. He'll cry but you won't see it. And I got to thinking about that now <laughs> that you just mentioned that, you know, like it, it's something that I think that we're kind of taught because that era, especially, you know, they were taught, you don't, you don't cry. And no, I was not, I was not someone that would open myself up to vulnerability. It was an ongoing joke that, you know, I, I don't like hugs. People wouldn't hug me um, to the point that I actually have a, I have, you know, those little drink hugs, I have one of those on my desk at work. A patient brought that to me. She said, done a surgery on her. And she was like, I just want to thank you so much and give you a hug. But I know you don't like hugs. So she gave me a little, a little <laughs> hug drink. Um, but that's, that's one thing I do more now. I'm like, I tell people like, okay, I'm open for hugs. Uh, so some people love that, you know, because it's, I think it's okay. You know, it's okay to say, I love you. It's okay to hug and, and to, to open yourself. Because with that comes, comes that possibility of vulnerability. And I think that's one thing my wife is actually struggling with because she was the exact opposite. She, she loved to hug. She loved to say, I love you. And now she finds herself not wanting to open up that vulnerability again. Um, so we've actually kind of flipped roles in that a little bit. And it's actually interesting um, yeah. to see that, see that play out. That is, that is really interesting. It's like you're, you're, you almost feel like you're a little inside of my head recently. Um, I have a, I have a good friend who was on the podcast name it's Matt Chenard and he's really, um, into some really cool ideas, but he's like, you know, the love language, the, the love languages, have you taken mm -hmm. the love languages test, Scott? I'm like, no, I've heard about it forever. Well, 
little birdie kept popping in my head, my own mind kept circling back to love languages. And recently um, I had, I told my wife about it. We both took the test and this is a little off topic, but one thing that I remember about it is one, it changes. Your love languages change due to life circumstances, your growth. A lot of assessments, they, they don't, your results won't change, but it, it does change. Wow. I know it's a little off topic, but wow. Like I, you know, I am, I have these things that I am driven by and, mm -hmm. you know, acts of, um, like gifts. Gifts is one of the things my wife is one of her love languages, not touch, man, not touch. And that's hard <laughs> for me because I'm high on the touch. So it's so yeah. interesting to watch those, but I, I just want to encourage people to understand that we all have different ways that we're fueled and that's okay. But with those closest to us, we really need to be in tune with it so that we don't get frustrated when there aren't words of affirmation given and you are, you are energized by words of affirmation. And then yeah. for men, I think specifically, you know, like with your wife having this little bit of a shift, like if you can get that data, if you can get that information and find out really where her sweet spot is or one or two top sweet spots for love language, which is, I've, I've always resisted because kind of corny name, but if you can find those sweet spots, then you can start operating in those and putting your energy in those because they're quite often different than we thought. And, um, and then, you know, then you just even have a closer relationship. So just, it just sparked that memory for me that that is a changing thing based on circumstances, yeah. based on life experiences. I, I've heard of love language. Um, I need to look at that myself. I didn't Dude. realize what you were saying about how it can change. And because I yeah. feel like mine has, I, I feel like I've changed. Yeah, and and I, you know, It's only been eight weeks. So have I really truly changed? I, I don't know. I definitely know I have a different mindset. It's a very profound experience, I would say probably, and it, it, it'll shift, but yeah, that love language test, it took me about a minute to find it at Google. It's free and it's about five minutes to take it. And then my wife and I were like, wow. I mean, we had all <laughs> sorts of conversations after it, you know? Yeah. So um, just as far as, as long as, you know, my, my encouragement for men is to lead, lead your, your wife into doing that so that you can communicate and and um, fuel each other in a way that is more productive. Uh, you know, it's funny, guys, guys will try and buy their wives gifts and, and flowers because they want to, you know, their ultimate goal, they're, they're ready to get lucky or whatever. And then you take the test, you're like, dang it, she, gifts aren't part of her life. <laughs> like, I spent all that money and time. Yeah. All I need to do is rubber back. <laughs> yeah. Or, so, or gifts are a part and we're bad at it. Because that was one thing, Jeff and Michelle, my wife, Michelle, they would make so much fun of me and my sister because they would get, they would put so much thought into all these gifts. Like our ninth year anniversary this year was there's like the ninth year is some special wood. And she bought me a pen and a, and a cold brew maker that had this special wood. And I think I got her like maybe some flowers on the way home. You know, it's like they would make so much fun of us because they would put so much thought into gifts, you know? So I, obviously if she's so intent on gifts being important for me, then I need to focus back gifts to her a little bit more too i think yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we're men we're not always not all of us are real good at this stuff no nah, nah, yeah nah. that was one thing jeff was really good at but no nah, not me um but uh yeah he he you know he left sarah with a lot of amazing things a lot of so one thing she was just talking about this morning is every morning he would jeff was a he was one of those true uh, people that could only sleep like four or five hours a day. I think they're called like super sleepers or something. And so he would stay up to like one or two in the morning and he would make coffee. Sarah would get up four 30 in the morning, go do her radio show. And every day he would write on a little erase board there, uh, two or three sentences, really like a true, like thought every day. Well, then after about a year and a half, he, she found out he had taken a picture of it every day for over a year. And I think for Christmas or just shortly before he passed had made a book and had all of the pictures laminated. So still today for the rest of her life, every morning she can get up and read uh, a, a, a quote or a saying from Jeff. I mean, it was just that just such a special bond and a little thing that, what did it take him? 15 seconds, you know, right. and now it's her life. It's, it's the rest of her life. And, and he just, so many things that just left Sarah in such a great place. Um, like when 
when we were at the hospital and I was, I was just beside myself and she was just sitting there and I was like, man, my wife and I were like, she's just in shock. And later on, she was like, you know, I wasn't, you guys thought I was. And one of Sarah's goals was to become a life coach. That's something she's been working towards getting some different certifications and things. And, and the other day she was over here and we were talking about it a little bit more in depth and I'll give her credit for this. And she, she believes that when it comes to holistic health, that there's five main buckets and then maybe a few minor buckets that we need to really try to keep full at all times, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and social. If we can keep those five buckets of our life at as good a capacity as we can every day, when we are hit really hard with something, we don't already have a deficit that we have to overcome. And that was her point. She's like, spiritually, I'm in a good place. There was a time in Sarah's life that she questioned God. She questioned the existence of God. And I think some people were like, oh no, is she going to go back to that? She's like, heck no. I, my faith is stronger now than it's ever been. And, but she understood why people would be questioning that. Mental health. You know, with mental health inside of that is your ability to process. And that also comes mental illness. You know, mental illness is real. And, and if you have it, getting proper treatment, being open to your best friend who I believe should be your wife about that, you know, making sure that you're in check. Addiction falls under mental health, you know, making sure that you're in a proper place mentally, uh, emotional health. How do you feel? Being able to cope with things, being able to show empathy, being able to cry, you know, and having, having your emotions not be so stoic that you never feel emotion, but not so far on the other end that everything you do seems dramatic physically you know getting into the gym that was one of the first things she said right away it was like i have to fitness uh you know several times a week i got to keep my my physical shape and then like you were saying your tribe you know social you got to have that social group i i think it's important to have a bigger social group but also within that group have that one or two people that you can truly confide in and if you can keep those five buckets full when you do get hit by something you know, I, I think that your ability to respond, to cope, and to look at it in a proper light is, is amazing. And then the three kind of underneath of that, which could probably kind of fall in the other buckets, was professional, which I think is one that you're, you know, I think you're a, a living example of right now, you know, making sure that your professional life is where it needs to be. Is it so taxing that none of your other buckets can be full? Or is it so not goal-driven that you're not accomplishing anything and you don't feel a self-worth? You know, I think there's a, it's a very tough middle ground to find there. Um, your, your family health, your family bucket, how, how is your family? Are you, are you snowboarding with your kids? And sometimes those two kind of play in together. And then environmental, and I think that would go into proper diet, you know, some nutrition things. I'm a big, I could, I could go on for an hour on nutrition. Um, you know, I think, it was so important to see and hear this from her, someone who literally just lost their soulmate telling me, you know, who lost a friend, but not anywhere near what she lost, you know, being able to explain to me how to, how to cope, you know, she's, uh, you know, just let's sit a minute for on, on Sarah, because not long after Jeff passed, she put out a Facebook video and I was watching this hours. thing. Yeah. I was watching this going, she's in shock. I mean, like I, and, and yeah. having chatted with Sarah, um, she was on a podcast. I, I had her as a guest on a podcast and there was just always something a little extra. She mm -hmm. just had, she just real insightful. Um, but I had a hard time believing she was in shock in that video. I'm like, this is just almost surreal. The way she is acting is what I was thinking. I showed it to my wife and my wife's like, yeah. I mean, we were looking at that and I'm like, she actually looks not in shock. She actually looks at peace. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many people can say this. So I think those five buckets are obviously working for her. I mean, I, I would think she'd be a phenomenal, absolutely uh, crush it as a life coach, just from the little bit that oh, I yeah. have interacted with her. The other thing I want to say about Sarah is that I've had several interactions with her. I know she probably got thousands of messages after Jeff's passing because he was, 
so impactful in so many worlds. Um, but she actually responded and then she just sent me one the other day and I was like, no matter, it's not, it's not about her. She's always uplifting. She's, she was, she said, Oh, I noticed this about you. I'm so proud of you. Or I'm like, okay. Um, I think it's time for us to be supporting you, but cool. So, uh, that, I think that bucket, um, mindset or, or way of living seems to be very powerful. And I, I would agree with it. Never thought of it yeah. that way, but I would agree with it. Yeah. I never thought of it either. And I, I look back at how I reacted. So I told her, cause then we were at my parents' house later that evening and I kept sneaking back into the back room because I just kept, it just kept hitting me. My God, this just really happened. And uh, eventually at one point she came back and going back to just kind of like being that weird, not into hugs much. Like she came back and she held my hand and we held hands in the weirdest way. <laughs> like, I was like, what are we doing? And, uh, and I was like, I was like, Wait, this is wrong. Like you're comforting me. I should be comforting you. And she was like, no, you don't understand how important it is for me to see you react this way. She's like, because knowing you and seeing you hurt is so impactful to me to know that Jeff really was that awesome, you know? And, and I think that's another point is like, we sometimes think, oh, we got to hide our emotions. But here, me not being able to hide my emotions helped the person that I wanted to help in that moment more than anything. You know, I think Sarah, so Sarah's eight years younger than me. We always tell the story about how when I was, seven I wanted a sister and I started praying for it and uh and there she was <laughs> so I literally prayed for Sarah and even though we're eight years apart we've been very tight our, our whole lives and we were very close I think part of the situation here was was seeing my sister and continuing over you know the the rest of my life having to, to watch because this isn't something that ever just stops you know you don't just heal from it Right. Um, and and I, that, that was a, that was a tough thing to watch, but just seeing her strength has just been so inspiring and I can't wait to see what she's able to do with this and help so many people. I, I think we're just, we're just scratching the surface of Jeff's legacy. Uh, yeah. I wish he was here to see it, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, uh, it, it just, it's the worst way to have to, to appreciate these things. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It is. But I mean, we'd be remiss to just, not live it out loud, not to shout it out loud. Um, Jeff, the memorial, I mean, it's, it's big, you guys, and there's yeah. a memorial workout and it's big yeah. and it'll probably be done across the entire United States. I know yeah. that there's some big hitters supporting yet rich Froning supporting you've got, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure CrossFit has reached out. I'm pretty sure CrossFit yep. has reached out. CrossFit has reached out and Eric Rose has even been reached out and said he'll be doing the workout. We have several people from the Masters Collective um, coming to our gym that morning. So yeah. I, I hope it's okay for me to promote it. Um, yes, CrossFitMorningtown.com. Yep, CrossFitMorningtown.com backslash Jeff. And if you go to CrossFit Morningtown's um, public Facebook page, you can see the video that uh, Scott was talking about where my sister got on, got on live. It <laughs> went completely live on, on Facebook about 24 hours after Jeff passed and I, so impactful. I think last I saw it was almost a hundred thousand views. Oh. And she was like, wait, yeah. She was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I did this video for our hundred members, you know? And yeah. I was like, she was like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I was like, you don't, you don't get it. Like your husband just died and, and you gave this most amazing message for all of us. You know, you, yeah. you started that torch. You, you lit your own fire immediately. Yeah. yeah it was so amazing. For our listeners, what, what is the date um, for that workout? So the workout will be April 10th. Um, it's done through, the, through that website. You can go to a registration. It'll say on there 9th through the 11th, I think, because we, we did it over the weekend. We, we chose that because uh, April 12th is Jeff's birthday. So April 10th will be the workout. Um, we're having a big memorial here in Morgantown. And then there's a t-shirt on there. If you look down through, so there's two different things. You can go register for the event, which lets you pick. Um, there's four different, there's one workout, four versions to it. There's the elite, which is called Jeff. And then there's the um, more human version because <laughs> the elite yeah, is for okay. the, what, what Jeff, even Jeff would call the mutants, you know, the people that 
are just on a whole nother level. Um, so then there's the Sarah and then there's the Arlen and then there's the Mackie. So it's awesome. four versions. It's yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a cool workout. I've done it. I did not do the elite. I did the, the second level down. Um, and it's, it's a good one. It's, it's a fun one. Incorporate a lot of the movements that Jeff loved, um, including some of the ones that he was doing literally when he passed. Yeah. And then there's a second thing on that website, which is the t-shirt, the t-shirt, um, if you have it, take take ten minutes and read down through the meaning of the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colby from um, Box Thirteen here, I think he's in Pittsburgh. Designed the shirt, and he and Jeff had a had a tight bond, and it's just the amount of thought put into that that design of that T-shirt is just astounding. So I, I so encourage people to look at that. I I actually, uh, when I got the message with the link for the workout and the registration and the shirt, I actually bought it while I was on the plane to my vacation. I'm I'm like doing it now. Um, so that would be my suggestion. Hopefully that doesn't close before people hear this, but, uh, what a cool, I mean, what a great conversation starter, what a cool way to remember to, you know, uh, mark off t- your tomorrows <laughs> right yeah mark off some tomorrows and so for, yeah. for this year uh, any proceeds are going to a trust fund for the boys um, they are one and three years old so that they you know can be be supported um, in jeff's absence after this Sarah is creating a charity organization um, i think it's going to be called forgiven warrior because jeff had a t- two tattoos on his front uh, along his rib cage on one side was forgiven and the other side was warrior and we hope that this becomes more of an annual event and then the, the money from that will go to her charity and um i'm not sure exactly a couple different directions she's she's thinking about with that but it's whatever it is it's going to be an amazing organization and one that yeah. i'm sure we will all be very proud to be a part of and, and support yeah they also had a GoFundMe. I don't know if that's closed yet, but you know, considering um, the impact the loss of a husband has on a family, it was really cool to see that thing grow fast. Um, yeah, and and furious. I hope it kept going. I, I think I finished it. At, I don't know if it was close to two hundred thousand or or something. Of that I, honestly, yeah, I quit looking when it hit. To about 150,000 because I was just yeah. so overcome by the the support and it was a lot of small donations too and that was like you said uh, I think Rich Froning had given some and and CrossFit headquarters and Sarah Sarah kind of she had to laugh a few times she's like I just wish Jeff knew that these people knew who he was you know all these people reaching out that that he yeah. he idolized and here they all were like yeah I know Jeff you know we, we heard right. about Jeff it's like wow she's like she I just wish he knew but you know that's one of the whys that i that i am able to settle into is if jeff had gone to the crossfit games and and his coach jay and a lot of people were certain you know he was going his his he was going this year but if he had gone and this happened next year would he have then been known as jeff the crossfit games athlete because that's not what he would have wanted to be known as like where we sit now he's known as the likely he was going to be a CrossFit Games athlete, but look what he did, you know? And I think on the other hand, he would have been Jeff, the CrossFit athlete. Oh yeah, he also owned a gym and touched lives. And to me, that's that's a why that I can settle into. I would have rather another, would much rather have been, he was a three or four time CrossFit game athlete that died when he was 80. <laughs> but right. since that's not the scenario, right. um, I can, I can find peace again, we're bringing up the word peace. I can find peace in the fact that he didn't go to the games. And so, like I was saying, he had that little group of just me, him and Kurt. And when you talk about beautiful things that you can find in a horrible situation, the, so Jeff was, was really sick the week before Um, we actually thought he had COVID. He had pretty much, you know, couldn't breathe real well. Looking back, it was probably this aneurysm starting to, to expand. And he had sent me and Kurt a text, I think it was on Thursday of that week, and he died on a Saturday and said, I'm sorry, I couldn't train harder for us this week, guys. You know, because we kind of formed this ball, like we're going to the game, we're a team, I'm sorry, I couldn't train harder. And, and we'd kind of messaged back and forth a little bit. And the last thing that Jeff sent on that group was a picture of shorts. He was very into designing t-shirts and shorts. That's why this t-shirt is so important, like every single detail. And he sent us a picture, he's like, look at these shorts. 
And he said, look at the waistband. And on the waistband, it said Amorphati. And his last message to me and Kurt in that group was Amorphati. I may not live through it, but I love my circumstances. And I, I remember sitting there thinking like, come on, dude, you're going to live through it. Like you tested negative for COVID, you, you, you know, you're feeling better. He'd send a picture of him throwing some like crazy shit at the channel. Like you're going to live through it. Yeah. But that was the last message. I may not live through it, but I love my circumstances. And that's, I think it's such an important thing to, to love fate. I have no tattoos. I've always wanted one. And I think I'm going to get one that says I'm more foddy. Um, and not, and not just in his honor, but to remind me to love fate, you know, that our, our fate is written, how we get there is not, you know, right. I, I truly believe that God knows the day we're going to die, but we have a lot of choices on how we get there. You know, are you going to get there as a, as a hypertensive diabetic smoker, or are you going to get there as one of the fittest people in the world that touches lives, you know, and I think that we have those choices and I, and I hope that we look at things like Jeff's death and we decide to be that person that's going to touch lives. Yeah. Yeah. Man, a really, really profound conversation um, from, I just, yeah, just one last thing I just want to leave people with. And one thing that Jeff said, and I think it's how he ended his podcast with you Jeff had, had a saying, and if, if it wasn't really gone into depth on your podcast, on that Mindset Minute on potential podcast, he went into how he came up with this. Jeff always said, love like you will die tomorrow, but dream like you will live forever. And I, I now tweak that a little bit. And instead of saying love like you will die tomorrow, I say love like they will die tomorrow. Because you need to treat every person like that is your last moment with them not their last moment with you you know we always think about well what if i die tomorrow you wouldn't have wanted to say that to me but what if they die tomorrow and you know and just loving people giving them that last hug giving them that last i love you not letting the sun go down on on that because you don't know when they are going to die and when someone else dies they don't have emotions they don't have what ifs you do and we need to make sure that we don't have those you know make sure that emotional bucket is filled and make sure that those what ifs aren't going to be there there's going to be some and you and you can't you can't have that amazing relationship with everybody but if you make a point that to try i think you, you'll be better off when these situations do happen to you yeah yeah i love that love like they will die tomorrow because it takes focus off of us and puts it on the people in your life that matter and mm -hmm. i think that's um really the way that we should be living Thanks for bearing your soul, your experience. <laughs> it's not one I wish on anybody. Um, yeah. I know you guys um, have really been through a lot. Uh, one rat last reflection. This is the, the honest truth, and I didn't even know this until today. That Saturday um, that I found out Jeff had passed. Actually, I found out Sunday morning. We're getting ready for church. And... That actual day was the first day my kids ever saw me cry. My boys. Wow. I, I, it hit me so hard. I, I can remember about three times I've cried in my adult life. Um, and I just dropped. I mean, I, and my mm -hmm. wife was just like, what happened? And um, my boys walked down. It was on the couch in our living room. It's kind of the central spot. And uh, I just remember it profoundly and realizing, like, I can't. Uh, like, I can't walk away from this. I can't go high. Yeah. This is real. I'm not really in the mood to move. Um, but that's the, that's the effect. Like I'd never met him in person, but it dropped me to my knees. Mm -hmm. And, um, that says a lot. And thank you for you and Sarah and Kurt and, and everybody or Kent, right? Kent, they say that right. Kent, Kent and Kurt both. There's two okay. of them. Okay. I was going to yeah. say there was another, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just really kind of carrying that legacy. And, and yeah. that is definitely, you guys are definitely carrying the torch. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, well, first of all, thank you, Sean. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share this. It's very, very meaningful. Good. I'm glad because it is an absolute pleasure. Um, but if you're listening to this, it, this is releasing before Jeff's events. So make sure you go on that page and it's CrossFit Morgantown, Morgantown and, um, 
like at this point, grab a shirt and maybe do the workout if that's something that you do. If not, maybe you could try like one round of it because it is hard. Yeah. I've looked at it. And, um, but, but, but understand that you're contributing to something huge. Uh, Jeff put his heart and soul into leaving a legacy for his boys and his wife. And uh, I just think that we all ought to carry that and move it forward and then do the same thing with our lives. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.